Good morning, Abundant Life, and are so glad to have you tuned in again. We hope you and your families are doing well. We miss you in this time of social distancing, but so glad you're doing your part. Hey, let's stay connected by email. You can text us. You can phone the church. We'd love to talk with you. If you need prayer, we're here for you in this time and let you know that God cares and we care All that's going on in our world today, we just need to be reminded as believers that light shines brightest in the darkness, that's for sure. And uh, I want us to continue to pray for our president and our governor and over every state that they would have wisdom and direction as they lead us and uh, that we would get people back to work soon. So many have been laid off and so many have been furloughed. So let's just continue to pray for that and continue to pray for our healthcare workers over them, protection over them and their families as well. Well, this is a great day to be back together again. And uh, I want to give you a 20-minute message today. Can you hang with that? I hope so. As we look in God's Word in John chapter 6 again this morning on a message entitled, What Are You Eating? Yes, what are you eating? And you know, the lifespan of people has been extended throughout time. There are certain things that you eat that are better for you than other things, like I like milk chocolate, you know, uh, eating the Easter bunny, that was great, the chocolate one at least uh, from last weekend, Uh, but you know the dark chocolate is better for you. But you know, all those things that we eat and that we take in in our body, for to a large degree inside of us, it determines the quality of our lives from day to day. When you come to the Gospel of John, chapter 6, that is really the purpose behind the discourse that we're going to look into today, verses 22 through 71. This is the bread of life discourse inside of God's Word. It's a lengthy passage. I'm going to read a lot of the verses, but not all of them, because I just want you to understand what is going on inside of here. If you're taking notes, I'd like to give you three observations as we begin today that would help you understand and process today's message. The first one is this. This passage is incredibly full of depth and breadth theologically. It is. We could talk in this passage about Passover, about communion, There are the I am's that are so profound, not only in this chapter, but throughout the book of John. And last week, we talked about the I am, the ego, a me, as we said, Jesus said, I am. And so we know that Jesus wasn't the I was or I will be. He is the great I am. His name is Yahweh. His name is Jehovah. And his name is I Am. I hope you get that today. But he says in this discourse, I am the bread of life. This passage has massive ramifications for us. Having fed them spiritually, Jesus now gives them a spiritual lesson that is so profound. After he fed the children of Israel manna in the Old Testament, 
He says, through Moses, man shall not live through bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. He now says in John chapter 6, I am the bread of life. So let me tell you today, let's get this bread. Can you say that with me? Let's get this bread, all right? A second observation that I'd like to make in this passage revolves around the metaphor of eating bread. And that's what he's talking about over and over again. It's talking about loaves and eating bread and taking the bread in. What is this saying to us that when we take bread, and we're going to find out he's not talking about a loaf of bread in this, but it is about a person that when we eat that bread, what happens in us is that we get life. What kind of life? In the New Testament, it is zoe life, which is a word that means spiritual life and eternal life. That's the key of this. That's the key. And this metaphor of eating is exactly the metaphor he wants us to understand. Verse 35, this is really the key of this portion. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life, and whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Those are powerful words. And if you drop down to verse 53, Jesus said to them, truly, truly, which is amen, amen. Anywhere you see truly, truly is amen, amen. So be it, so be it. I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have not life in you. Now, if you look at this, that is the source, but there are critics out there that have brought this up throughout Christianity and about Christ that are not true. And, you know, when Jesus was speaking these words, his audience clearly understood it was a metaphor. It's a metaphor. It's not saying Jesus literally is advocating cannibalism. Okay, just understand that today. He's using eating, he's using bread as a metaphor of spiritual life in general. We do the same thing if you were to look at it like, that book was so good, I devoured it, right? Now, did you literally eat the book? No, you did not. I don't think you did, and I hope you didn't. And here's how the metaphor works compared to eating. Now, if I eat something, it becomes a part of me, it becomes a part of my life. Kristen, my wife, she makes these rolls, puts them in the oven, and when they come out hot, we devour them as a family. I mean, like, bring on the honey, bring on the butter. It is amazing. You know, I heard during the quarantine that we're going through is that many people are baking bread. Oh, man, the carbohydrates. I know they're not good for you, but they are amazing to taste. But even goes for like if I eat breakfast and you're eating breakfast, what happens is, is that through that eating, it energizes, it rebuilds, and renews your body. So in the same way that you and I take in and we eat physical food, it becomes a part of our life in every aspect of our life, right? That's true. Jesus is saying that unless you partake of me, of who he is, and what he does, and what he's about, to the degree that he becomes a part of every single aspect of your life, 
He says, if that's not what you're doing, then you are not saved. You don't have the saving truth of Jesus living in you. And the crowd understood this exactly. And Jesus, you've got to understand, is at the height of his ministry. It's at the center of his earthly ministry. There are massive crowds that are following him everywhere that he goes. And Jesus, at this point, he draws the line and he says, I want you to follow me. But when the hearers hear that, not everybody is in. There are many that are questioning him at this point, only those that are appointed to eternal life. Some may say, may say you say, well, what does that mean? I'm not even sure what that means. And the answer is that he gives will answer that as well. The issue at hand is commitment to Jesus Christ. Third observation, this passage is a conversation that takes place in the synagogue of Capernaum. Jesus is having a conversation with the crowd, verses 28 through 66. And if you get some time today, I just encourage you to read this passage, that it goes from a base-level conversation to an intense dialogue between Jesus and the people. They're frustrated with Jesus. They grumble. There's a dispute that happens, and you see that. But Jesus isn't worried about drawing a crowd for, for people he understands, and he wants them to understand this more importantly than anything else, that he wants them to get the point of genuine conversion. Here are a couple of thoughts today. Number one, go to God with your problems, but go to God for more than just your problems. In other words, who do you follow and why do you follow Jesus? Are, are you willing to follow Christ if all you get out of it is eternal life? See, God is not interested in just being a genie in the bottle that uh, he does whatever we want him to do. But your eternity is God's greatest issue with every single person on planet earth. That sin is our issue, and that's why Jesus came to defeat it. If he fixes your financial issue this week, and you go to hell next week, what good is that? You know, if he heals you today, but you don't know him, what good is that going to do? And we pick up in, in this uh, verse 22, where it says, on the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had only been one boat there and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. Verse 25, when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? What's amazing is Jesus doesn't answer their questions. It's amazing. Most of the time, people are asking Jesus questions in Scripture. He's not answering them because he understands their heart. He's trying to get to the real issue that is at hand. And his answer comes in verse 26. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. 
do not work for food that perishes, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you, for on him God the Father has set his seal. Listen, if you're going to work for something, don't just work for a bigger paycheck or work for a bigger house. Spend your life doing the things that have eternal value and have eternal purpose. Share the love of Christ. Help someone and serve someone that God delights in the person who shares God's heart. I love hearing the stories of people right here in our own church that are serving other people that are around them, that are loving other people, that are making connections that in this day that are so important, in this time of social distancing where there's so much fear and panic and doubt and worry, we're hearing the stories that are coming forward and God's light is shining in an incredible way. So if you're going to work and you're going to serve, do it for something that has lasting value and lasting purpose. Second thought, a living faith in Jesus is the only thing that will save your soul. He's bringing man at this point, you and me, to the end of ourselves, really. Then they said to him in verse 28, what must we do to be doing the works of God? You know, so many have a righteousness that is based on what they can do, on their works, and that is absolute legalism. And it warps the view of God whom we serve. See, it's important to know that, that you and I can't serve and work enough for our salvation. But we understand that the Bible says that it is through God's grace, through faith, that we have salvation. And that's what Jesus is pinpointing in their hearts. And he goes on in verse 29. This is the work of God that you believed in him whom he has sent. He says, here's what you need to do. You need to believe. And you may look at that today and say, what, all I have to do is believe? Yep, that's it. Just believe. How do you walk with God? Believe. How do I serve God today, John? Believe. That blows the legalist mindset. The faith that saves is wholeheartedly surrendering yourself to God. In verse 30, they said to him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe? What work do you perform? And this is a little humorous for us to take a look at this many thousands of years later because he just performed an amazing miracle where he fed what we think to be almost 25,000 people. And they're saying, well, what sign do you do that we believe? What, what, What work do you do to perform? Our fathers, in verse 31, ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus then said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Moses, he's saying, didn't do it. You've got to understand, Moses didn't do that. What he is saying is the bread of life is a person. They said, sir, give us this bread. They're like, oh, yeah, we're hungry. I mean, come on. And Jesus said, I am the bread of life. 
I am here, I am now, I am your eternal bread, and you can feed on me, that whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe, and you will never come up short for spiritual supply. He says, all the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. He is confident in that, that God chooses us, and we choose him. And that may seem to be a hard statement for some to understand, but listen, if you can explain everything about God, you've created your own God. Verse 40, he talks about the will of the Father. For this is the will of the Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. And let me tell you that everyone, you're in everyone if you choose Jesus today. You're in everyone if you put your whole trust and your wholehearted trust inside of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you call on the Lord, the Bible says you will be saved. So we need this daily bread, not just on Sundays, but we need him every single day of the week, no matter where we are at. And then it shows us the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread of life that came down out of heaven, verse 42. Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? I mean, we know him. How, how does he now say, I've come down from heaven? We know him. We know this Jesus. We watched him when he was in Little League. He didn't even bat 300. We know this Jesus. Now he's saying he's God? Are you kidding me? We can't even fully understand God. The God of the universe is not accountable to his creation to give understandable answers all the time. Verse 43, Jesus answered them, do not grumble among yourselves. Here they are grumbling. They're talking about Jesus. They're mad. They're upset. It kind of reminds me of the Snickers bar, candy bar. I, I love Snickers bars, and I know they're not good for you, but I used to eat one a day, and uh, I don't do that anymore because my wife got on me, so I probably eat one a week maybe now. But uh, I love Snickers bars. But, you know, you see on that that their whole goal is to say Snickers really satisfies because the opposite is true on some of the rappers that you're, you're snippy or you're cranky, you know who you are, or you grumble a lot or whatever it may be. But Jesus is saying, hey, if you eat of me, life will be different than eating only what you think will only last for today. He says, I am everlasting. I am a free gift for you. And he says in verse 44, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. He says it's written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me, not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God, he has seen the Father. Truly, truly, here he says, amen, amen, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread, though, that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came and has come from heaven 
And if anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. What is that saying? God, I want all of you and all of me. The Jews then disputed that says, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, truly I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his cup, you have no life in you. You understand that this is God through Jesus is saying, God has to become the sole motivator in our lives. He must become the most important thing in our lives. That is so soul searching today that he's saying, listen, count the cost. You can't have spiritual life without Jesus. You have to take him in completely. And it tells us that when many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? He says he's greater than Moses. But Jesus, knowing himself that the disciples were, were grumbling about this, said to them, do, not, do, you not, do you take offense at this? Do you take offense? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? Jesus is like, is this tripping you up? Are you tripping, man? It is. It's tripping them up. So what are you going to do when he's on the cross? Because the cross is the way to heaven. You got to understand that Jesus was the only preacher who made his congregation smaller with his sermons because he never let the crowd control the truth. Let me say that again. Jesus was the only preacher who made his congregation smaller with his sermons because he never let the crowd control control the truth. So as I bring this to a close today, there's three responses that you and I get to take part of. Number one, just like the disciples of that day, there were some that deserted Jesus. There was desertion. Verse 30, uh, 66 says, after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. They saw what he did, but they said, we're out. They deserted him. Second, deception. For there were Some of you, Jesus said, who do not believe in verse 64. They're hanging out here, Jesus is saying, but they don't have saving faith. As he looks to Judas Iscariot, and he says them, Jesus answered them, didn't I not choose you, the 12? And yet one of you is the devil. He spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the 12, was going to betray him. Then third, is devotion, wholehearted devotion. The multitudes were leaving. Jesus said to the 12, do you want to go away as well? And Simon Peter answered. I want you to get this. I know this is near the end, but hang with me. Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? To whom shall we go? And he says, you have the words of life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. What is he saying? Jesus, your words are spirit and your words are life. If Jesus wasn't here, what would I do and where would I turn? I look at a world today just like you and I wonder how many are still trying to make it without God through this mess through the grief, through the loss of so many things. 
Where else do we have to go, Jesus, but to continue to turn to you and look to you nowhere else but to you, Christ? There's nothing. I've tasted and I've seen and I want you, Lord, and I'm devoted to you. See, he's saying, you know, the physical bread, it only keep you alive for so long. But he said, if you'll take me in, he said, I will feed you. And I will give you drink that will last forever. So today, as we draw down on this chapter and as we draw this to a close, would you take this moment in prayer as we turn our hearts towards the Father today and really do some soul searching on what we're really hungry for? And are we truly hunger and hungry for the things of God? Do we really want Jesus or do we just want the stuff that he gives us? Do we truly want everlasting life and to daily take him in and want him more than anything that this world has to offer to us? Let's just pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word today that tells us you are the bread of life, that God, you want to give us you, that the bread is a person of Jesus that can fulfill every longing, Lord, that can sustain us and that can nourish us, God, not only for today but for eternity. I pray that we would put our whole hope and trust inside of you and your name today, no matter what we're going through, no matter the difficulty, no matter the challenge, no matter the loss, no matter the joy. God, we thank you that we can turn to you and we can look to you today as the author and the finisher of our faith and not For anyone that is listening, the sound of my voice, that is in need of Jesus, would you believe today? Would you take this opportunity to come to Christ, to be forgiven of your sins, to be washed and cleansed and have eternal life? You say, what do I have to do? You have to believe. Believe that Jesus has died for you and taken the penalty of your sin and died on the cross and rose again so that you could have eternal life. Maybe it's simply by just saying, Jesus, I invite you into my life. I believe that you died for me. Thank you for the gift of eternal life that you give today. By faith, I receive that gift, and I acknowledge you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I pray that you've made a decision to follow Christ today. If you've made that decision, let us know. Connect up with us. Last week, we had many people that came to Christ through our Easter services, those online, that many people follow the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray God's blessing upon you this week, and we will be back again in our series on the Gospel of John next Sunday. Have a wonderful week in Jesus. God bless.